Hello, my beautiful fellow soul adventurers. This is Alicia, and in this fun episode of Audio Wonderfulness, I am going to read the introduction of my new book to you. So if you don't know or you haven't heard yet, uh, Becoming Spiritual is available on Kindle and Paperbook on Amazon. Okay, I'm going to read the introduction. Our world has evolved, we have evolved, and some things haven't changed that need to change, like religion and tolerance and an embrace of an interconnected community and the mixing of ethnic groups and exposure to the cultural traditions of those who are different from us. Christianity has had many forms over the centuries, and in America right now today, it has solidified into an evangelical tradition that no longer holds to the Jesus tradition and is not moving with the work of God that God is currently doing in us and through us and all over our world today. In all of my theological journeying so far, I've found one spiritual truth that you absolutely can hang your hat on, and that is that God is love, the pure source of divine energy that created the universe and is inside it, sustaining it, holding everything in existence moment by moment is pure love. And the antithesis of love is fear. Love drives out fear just as light drives out darkness. And where fear is present, love cannot be fully experienced. Fear is darkness in our hearts and in our lives. And the history of Christianity has brought us to a place where cultural, cultural Christians today have inherited a culture of fear. The more devoted a religious group is to certain doctrines and practices that produce a certain form of living, the more fearful they will become when other groups or life circumstances threaten their way of life. And that is exactly what Christianity has experienced in the last several centuries. Today's Western Christian church is being rightly criticized for valuing power over love, compassion, and social justice. They value power over love, compassion, social justice, and they're more concerned about maintaining the economic and political status quo, keeping everything as it is, than following the heart and spirit of the teachings of Jesus. The next slightly more controversial, but also undeniable, once you've studied the literature and the teachers, as I have, the next spiritual truth I've found is that we are spiritual beings and that as spiritual beings, we are all of the same essence. There is an energetic and spiritual level on which we are all one. We are one with each other and with our creator. What this means is that when you search deep inside yourself, and you find the true self that is the you, that is you, you also find God inside yourself when you find your true self. We are all of a divine essence, connected to each other on a deep level and here for a mystical spiritual purpose inside of this gracious temporary body of flesh. We each are able to experience and commune with God through our own religions or outside of religion or when we find a new religion. God exists outside human history and experience in a way in which no religion can truly claim or contain. But all religions throughout history are evidence of God reaching out to humanity throughout time and space. In every culture, God has revealed divine truth, presence, and relationships to each human tribe in the way that that group could understand. The source of pain and suffering today 
is our separation from God through our elevation of our own reason combined with the false self of the ego. When ego mixes with religion, the spiritual potency is watered down. Those who are truly hungry will always find God. And those who value power over spirit will lead themselves and others astray as they relay as they rely on an egocentric view of the world. Those who value power over spirit will lead others astray. But those who are truly hungry will always find God. When those when these ego-tainted religions collide, the pain and suffering is multiplied, and discussions of solutions become confused. Language gets repurposed and used in various ways, radicals are labeled heretics. And the manifestation of God moves on, doing what needs to be done in the world, finding those who are awake, who are conscious, conscious, finding those who will listen, who will love, who will serve. We live in a world where it is of absolute urgency that we rethink our relationship with religious doctrines and traditions. We must search our own hearts and ask what it will take for us to be open to something new, to a fresh move of God that doesn't match up to our old paradigms, that doesn't look like what we're expecting. The church is in danger of making the same mistake as the Jews in Jesus' time. If we are married to our rules and our traditions and are devoted to our detailed expectations of what we think that next move of God will look like, then we will miss it. God is moving today and the evangelical church is in danger of missing it. God has been alive and working in and with all people's groups across the globe throughout time. And now, in this global interconnected age, all of these groups are beginning to mix in an unprecedented way. What an incredible opportunity for us to come together and compare notes on how God has been present and evident in traditions so different from our own. What depths could we learn by pooling our knowledge and our experiences so much we could see? And those who approach spirituality in this ecumenical, open-minded way are already reaping the benefits. We see this in the embrace of yoga and meditation in the West. I've seen this in all of the great teachers as I've been studying the journey of the most influential spiritual figures of our time. And yet too many people today are more focused on the differences that separate us and on the religious doctrines that divide us. If we value being right more than showing love, and if we operate from an ego-focused, fearful mindset, we will be closed off to all the goodness that could come from finding a new sense of unity and love. We will miss the insight that can only come from heart-led openness and relationship. I've heard it said from several teachers that in coming together, we are not going to find one single doctrine, one single view, one single way that we all view God, but that we can seek to discuss our shared experiences and find a shared practice. Many teachers offer hope, in focusing on finding a shared experience of God. However, I've also heard some, some of the teachers say today that we must find a broader spiritual common ground upon which we can move forward together. I think that we can and that we must, but it's gonna take a challenging and courageous shift in many of us from a fearful ego-focused thinking to loving soulful mindset that can choose to, in a spiritual sense, Put first things first. First things like unity and love, rather than religious doctrine and details and experiences and practices looking a certain way. This is my mission. This is my lens. This is the reason that I read all of these books by modern and ancient spiritual teachers, teasing out the common themes, looking for practical applications, 
Anything that can help us both live every day better and find a way to begin to come together toward a mutual understanding of love and peace and what it really means to be human. When I was struggling to reconcile science and religion as a young Christian, I was anxious, confused, and fearful. For over a decade, I managed to simply avoid thinking about it altogether. When I wasn't sure of my true nature, a sinner, an heir with Christ, an evolutionary happenstance, I felt lost. Meaning was elusive no matter how much I searched for it. When I lived in fear and identified with my ego, I lived a restless, unsteady life in which I saw all, all power as external and I measured my own value by what others saw and heard when they looked at me. My identity was a reflection of how others perceived me. I saw myself as the stuff I owned, the things I did, and the reputation and rapport I had with others. So my life revolved around pleasing others to the point of focusing an excessive amount of energy, projecting events out into the future, and predicting how others would react to the cumulative sum of our collective experiences, including my contribution. After growing up in a Christian bubble, attending a Christian college and graduate school, getting degrees in biblical literature, I got married and started a family, and that's when the rubber really began to meet the road. I am a researcher at heart, and every time I hit an obstacle I felt unprepared for, which happened constantly between marriage and parenthood, I turned to books and did research. Thus, I found myself constantly reading books about parenthood, finances, nutrition, psychology, spirituality, bouncing around from topic to topic based on what questions were running through my head that day. Eventually, I read enough science, history, nutrition, and psychology books, etc. to realize that evolution was a fact. This threw me for a real loop. Now I know it was probably made worse because it was such a blow to my ego. Here I was a full-grown adult just learning such a basic fact about the entire universe. I was equal parts frustrated at my own naivety, and disappointed with the collective willingness of the Christian establishment to perpetuate this state, to encourage blind trust, and to discourage curiosity into any areas of study that might contradict doctrine. That all, all of that comes from a spirit of fear. First, I fell away from faith altogether and to a disillusioned state of disappointment, focused on the task at hand of simultaneously keeping a household, holding a part-time job, and raising multiple small children. Then I slowly began to read personal development books and then psychology books, spiraling my way in towards spirituality and religious works, but steering clear of anything too near or too far from the religion I grew up with. This led me to such great introductory spiritual teachers as Marian Williamson, Gabrielle Bernstein, and Wayne Dyer. Their, teachers, their teachings about living from love instead of fear resonated with me on a deep level. And they really helped me begin to recover my sense of self, my hope, and even just my motivation for daily life. As I began to grow and progress and awaken, I became increasingly more courageous and more curious. Somewhere along the way, I reached a tipping point. My fear of the unknown dissipated, and it was replaced by an incredible joy and a sense of inner peace that I had never known before. Not in this way. This peace was new. I began to follow all the fascinating threads I found in my research, reading the books mentioned by the authors I was reading, following the ideas and concepts that drew my heart, that spoke to my soul. And this picture began to form. It began to take shape in my mind and my heart. It was, in essence, a huge paradigm shift that I saw could be made today by anyone who is willing. In the process, I have so far identified 10 shifts that together make up this larger, big picture shift. 
As I have begun to experience the many facets of these shifts and to test the waters, I have found abundant love and credible joy and that rock-steady inner peace that feels as if you have finally come home. You find yourself standing on a new foundation with the very new and incredibly comforting knowledge that somehow you are now in a place where you could weather anything. You see from a bigger perspective, you've begun to embrace the mystery, to accept the paradoxes, to trust the universe. In this state, fear loses its power, the ego loses its grip, you begin to live from a new, a new state, a place that you never knew existed within you. And it's as if your soul always knew it was there and your life suddenly becomes clear as a path that was always leading you to this point, this place of light and love and understanding, suddenly you're there. It's been quite a journey and now I can see clearly that I was meant to take this path in order to return to blaze a shorter, easier trail for others to follow. I am convinced that making this paradigm shift in our hearts and minds is the task set before our generation. We must take the baton and continue this quest to meet God, to follow our own eternal souls, to embrace this new understanding of life, of the world, and of humanity. The Newtonian paradigm of everything, natural or man-made, as machine, has been replaced by the quantum understanding of everything as energy. And as all of the world's beautiful religious and spiritual traditions come together, we find a parallel truth. We and all of creation are made up of energy, of spirit, manifested into physical form in this world for this lifetime. We are spiritual beings, and we are one being put into many forms. You and I are as waves of the ocean that is God. Jesus is the greatest of the many ascended masters, and he is indeed in heaven interceding for us. He is ever-present and always at work in the salvation and enlightenment of humanity. However, it's not necessary for everyone to know his English name or to revere his life in human form as a Jew or speak a certain prayer in order to find a certain understanding of salvation. Jesus is a powerful form of the divine energy ever present in the work that God is doing. God is source energy and is pure love and is beyond the human experience and will connect with each of us on a heart and soul level. It's important to know and accept that no religion may, exclaim, may claim exclusive rights or understanding of God. It's also crucial to note that God is not out there, separate from us, looking down to judge or assess or approve of our behavior. Both of these views of other religions as separate and outside the will of God, and of ourselves as separate from and potentially outside the will of God, these are the root cause of our spiritual problems. Because the truth is that we are one with each other and with God. The division that matters is that which we allow to separate ourselves from the divine source of presence, truth, and love. This is why the solution is love. Because when we align with love, we align with God and each other and our true selves. We return home to our true nature and our connection to our divine source and to each other. These may sound like radical beliefs. I did not start out life with them. Rather, I feel as if they found me unexpectedly, and yet some part of me was expecting them. Now I will share my story with you of how I came to this place that I am now. As I share my journey, I'll be weaving in discussions of the books that had an impact on me and the spiritual paradigm shifts that can assist us in our spiritual path, which became apparent to me as I studied our most influential living spiritual teachers. These are the 10 paradigm shifts. From fear to love, 
from ego to soul, from matter to energy, from resistance to acceptance, from apathy to intention, from separation and duality to holism, from reason to intuition, reason to intuition, from an external to an internal view of power, from isolation to connection, from created to creator. I'm going to introduce the first three shifts, then get into my story a bit, wind my way through the events in my life and the books I was reading, explaining these paradigm shifts along the way. That's the introduction. Thanks for listening.